This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm convinced that Jesus wants to remind us that he has called us to be a great commission church. I want to ask a question to begin. I'm, I want to ask and, and, and think with me, have you ever wondered why I am so fortunate to have believed the good news? How did that happen? Today, there are more than 3 billion people in the world in unreached people groups. These are lost people with virtually no Christian witness of any kind in their culture. That's 41% of the world population. Never heard, not exposed to any type of Christian witness. And the majority of those people are in India and in Muslim countries. It was 33 years ago, 1986, that I led the planting of a new church in Salt Lake City. It was an amazing time, an amazing 15-year experience. And I believe that I simply, with a group of people, walked through God's open door. So when I share a little bit about the story, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about how awesome our God is. We just happened to be young enough in our 20s and our 30s to think God could do anything. And we just weren't afraid. Well, some of the highlights are amazing. We engaged in outreach evangelism and door-to-door ministry from the start in Salt Lake City. It was interesting. Salt Lake was sending missionaries to the ends of the earth, and we came here believing that we were missionaries to Salt Lake City. We witnessed to the LDS community in the parks, at their parades, at their pageants, at their holy sites. And people came from around the country to work with us and to participate with us in that outreach. Hundreds of people came to know Jesus Christ during that time. LDS missionaries came to Christ in our services. I remember one service, we were in the Jewish synagogue downtown, and up in the balcony was one of the members of the Quorum of the 70 of the LDS Church. He was the historian of the LDS Church. He was sitting up in the balcony, and at the end of the service, two Mormon missionaries came down and gave their life to Jesus Christ and prayed the sinner's prayer right there at the altar. Just amazing things that God did. I was designated as a missionary to the religiously deceived and specifically the Mormons by the denomination that I was a part of then the Assemblies of God. And so I was able to travel all around the country for 10 years. I took at least one weekend out of every month and I traveled to churches to speak to them about the opportunity we had in this American mission field. We planted three churches here in Utah, Salt Lake, Ogden, and Park City. And other leaders who were with us left to plant churches and to lead ministries around this city, the country, and even in other nations. So it's amazing the things that we were able to be involved in. We planted churches in Russia and in Mexico City. In fact, we went to Russia a number of times, and Michael Belanzich and BJ, who were key leaders in our church for all the years we were here in Salt Lake, helping to lead our church, Michael went with me, I think every time that I went to Russia, James went to Russia. We planted churches in Russia. We had interaction there. God did so many awesome things. Our, our youth pastor, Eric Perry, went to Mexico City, started a church, started a ministry to children. Just amazing things from just this fledgling little body of young people that, that, that thought Jesus could do anything. I had the privilege of being a catalyst in this city to help unify the, the pastors of Utah back in the, in the 90s, to pray and to work and to serve together. And that is so exciting because it continues to this day in a dramatic way. 
What's more exciting to me is that 1,986 years ago, something phenomenal took place. The year was 33 A.D., Three and a half years after Jesus Christ started his public ministry, he was tried in a mockery of a trial. He was beaten. He was crucified. But he had told his followers that it was going to happen. He was preparing for it to take place. And he would rise again. And he did. Easter Sunday, 33 AD, Jesus rose from the dead. And 120 commissioned followers of Jesus awaited the fulfillment of the promise of the Father that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that they would be projected out into the earth to turn the world right side up. And that's exactly what took place on Pentecost Sunday, 33 AD. Unbelievable. So yes, 1986 was a great year, but now, 33 years later, is 2019, and we have the opportunity to be, uh, to be a part of Courageous Church in Salt Lake City. You can't make these things up. We have the opportunity to be a great commissioned church who in God's strength and in the Holy Spirit's anointing continue to turn the world right side up. After Jesus was resurrected, he spent 40 days with his disciples. Then his followers waited for 10 days in an upper room in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to empower them. On Pentecost, they heard the sound they felt the wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that place, they went out to change the world. And that's why you and I are here today, because we've heard the message that Jesus sent them to teach and to preach. Imagine with me that today we have the same opportunity. So I'm thrilled to be in Salt Lake City with you and with Jason and Candace, your pastors. And I encourage you to dig in and let God speak to you, because the best is yet to come. And my prayer is that God would send us to the nations. You see, you and I have been entrusted with the greatest opportunity or project or life mission that's ever been entrusted to human beings, and that is to become a Great Commission church. So we don't want to see a couple Great Commission Christians here at Courageous. We want Courageous to be a Great Commission church that we are all a part of. That is so important. Now, I received Jesus Christ during the Jesus People revival of the 70s and 80s. I wasn't saved in a church, but by people from church who had a Great Commission perspective. I was saved in my public school before I reached the age of 18. I wasn't trained under the philosophy that the church is the field. I was brought up believing that the church is a force, an influence in the earth. Yeah, we need to gather. There is temple fellowship where we celebrate together and we encourage each other and we teach and we're refreshed. But then we go out into our homes and we break bread and we share together and we bring in our neighbors and we go out into the community and we make a difference and we go beyond our borders to make a difference. It's phenomenal what God wants us to do. During my 36 years as a believer, God, the Holy Spirit, has radically reminded me of the divine focus and returned me again and again to the marching orders that unequivocally were given by Jesus Christ to his followers. When we gather together, we are the church. When believers gather, we are the ecclesia, the called out chosen people of God. But we are not a great commission church by default. Do you realize that? We become a Great Commission church on purpose. We have to decide to. 
Let me give you a simple example. You may be an athlete. You may participate. You might even compete in sport. That doesn't make you good or great. It makes you an athlete. But the elite athlete or the Olympian has subjected herself to specific disciplines, diet, and a regimen which produce characteristics that transform that athlete into a champion. So we could say all Olympians are athletes, but not all athletes are Olympians. And not all churches are great commission-focused. So please don't make the fatal mistake of assuming or concluding that all churches are great commission churches. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. For I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me just note some of the common focuses of so many churches. And trust me, I've, I've been there. I've not only led churches, but I've spoke to churches all over the country, almost in every state. I've been in many countries of the world preaching. And I can tell you that culture to many churches is seen as the enemy rather than an opportunity for us to be salt and light. We're afraid of the culture around us. And so some of the focuses that I've seen through the years, a church would say, well, God has called us not to go, but he's called us to pray. Other churches say, well, we're called the discipleship. We're going to get everybody ready, and we're going to get them all built up and strengthened. Others say, well, we're, we're committed to discovering and practicing our spiritual gifts. That's the focus of churches today in America, many. Other churches say, well, we're called to hear God's voice, and whatever he tells us to do, that we'll do. Others say, well, we seek the Holy Spirit. We just wait on the Spirit and invite him to come. Finally, there are churches that are just dedicated to fellowship. We're going to have a good time. We're going to party and we're going to share with each other until Jesus comes. You know, those are all really good things. They're all great ingredients of a great commissioned church. Let's think about it for a second. Prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Peter tells us that the Lord is not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. His will is that people are saved and in relationship with him. And we pray for his will to be done. That's a praying Great Commission Church right there. Or discipleship. Paul's talking to the Thessalonians in chapter 1 and he said, you became followers of us. To the extent that the word of God sounded out from you into this whole region so that we don't have to speak anything. The apostle, the evangelist, Paul, I don't even need to preach because you did it. You did it. Because you became followers. That's exampleship, discipleship, or hearing God. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. My sheep hear my voice. My followers, they listen to my voice. He went so far to say to those that were questioning him, you've never even heard the Father's voice. Sometimes we're so wrapped up in hearing a new word, we got plenty of word already. We just need to obey it. Or the Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit church. That's a church I want to be a part of. But Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Not you can be, not you might be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's amazing. He wants to do that through us. So during Jesus' ministry, he set the stage for the Great Commission focus that I'm talking about today. This is not an afterthought with Jesus. By his intentional word and works, he modeled ministry for us. He ministered, then he sent the 12 to minister. Then he sent the 70 to minister. At one point in time, there was a great crowd. They didn't have anything to eat. His disciples had seen Jesus feed the 5,000 prior. Now there's another great crowd, and they're hungry. 
And they said, Lord, you got to do something. And what did Jesus say? You give them something to eat. The point is, we are his ambassadors. We are his ministers. And he's getting them ready. Because there are compelling reasons in God's word. And compelling reminders. Because Jesus is engaged in compelling recruitment. I believe right now, today, he is calling some of us. He's talking to our heart. And he's stirring us up by way of remembrance in his word to obey and to be world changers from this place. Jesus says to his disciples, don't say four months and then the harvest will come. Because I want you to look on the fields right now and see they are white already unto harvest. And he who labors receives wages. He gives the parable of the sower. And after he shares the parable, he explains that. You know what Jesus says? He says it in Matthew 13, 38. He says, the world is the field. The world is the field. So many people come to church on Sunday thinking that's where ministry happens. I believe we're here to be filled up full so we go out and change the world. And he's not sending Jason out to the world. He sent Jason here and Candace here and leaders here to build you up. Read it in Ephesians chapter 4 to strengthen you so that you could go out and do the works that he's prepared for you to do from the foundation of the world. And Jason will do it too. But it is not his job to preach the gospel to Salt Lake. His message is to preach it to you and you're going to go to Salt Lake and I'm going to go with you. We're going to do it. We're going to tell people. Another occasion, Jesus had just ministered in a community, healing the sick, binding up the wounds, declaring the kingdom of God. And he was off by himself and his disciples rushed to him and said, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Do you remember that? Everybody's looking for you. Jesus, come back. Everybody wants to celebrate you. Jesus says, let us go into the other villages, for this is the reason I have come. we got something else to do. We're not done. He went through all the villages and cities of Galilee. So he tells us, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into his harvest field. And that's what I've been praying as I've been preparing. I've known that I was going to get to share this message. And I've been praying that God would make us all laborers that will go in Jesus' name. Jesus says, my meat, my sustenance is to do the will of my Father and to finish his work. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should bear fruit, fruit that will last. Is that awesome? You say, well, that was to the apostles. No, that's to us. It's to all of us. All of us. And finally, in Luke chapter 15, as he taught the tax collectors and the notorious sinners who gathered every time he'd begin to speak, he was accused by the religious self-righteous. Look at him. He eats with and he talks with the sinners. And Jesus shared three parables in response. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Three things of value were missing. Each merited an all-out search or attempt to recover, and a full-on celebration resulted after each was found. Jesus said, I'm going to leave the 99 to find the one. Jesus' point was simple. There is rejoicing over even one sinner who repents. I remember when we started Metro, Several weeks after we started, we had uh, Lauren Cunningham, who was the International Executive Director of Youth with a Mission. Maybe you've heard of them, but at that point in time, they had 700,000 workers spread out throughout the earth, and he was their leader under Jesus. And I met him, and he said he wanted to come to Metro Fellowship and preach to our 40 or 50 people that day. And Lauren Cunningham spoke that day on the value of a single soul. He didn't talk about all the great 
things that were... It was the value of the one. Reach one. By all means, reach one. And so, quickly today, on at least four occasions and locations, to at least three different audiences, Jesus shared five unique Great Commission statements. To set that up, let me just read, we'll put it up on the screen for you, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. As Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, now writes the book of Acts. He says, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them and he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise the Father sends you, the gift, the promised gift, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In five different statements, Jesus gives us the commission. And if you've studied the Gospels, you know, we look at them synoptically, and we know there's agreement between Matthew, Mark, and Luke on so many passages, and they're just sharing from different perspectives. But I'm telling you, the New Testament shows us that there were actually five unique statements about the Great Commission that Jesus gave during these 40 days. Five different statements. We always just look at it as, it as one. The first is a model for the commission, a model. And he gave this on the evening of, of Resurrection Day. He appears and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's commission. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's their born again experience. Jesus has just risen from the dead. Up till now, they're following him by faith, but now they're converted and the Holy Spirit lives in them. He's with you, but he will be in you, he had told them earlier, and now the Holy Spirit is. Well, Jesus is our model, and so we're going to follow. Israel functioned like a magnet. Israel was a magnet drawing the nations to God's light, drawing them to itself. The church is not like that. The church is to fan out into the world and make disciples. It's a different approach. It's a different day. The second is the magnitude of the commission. Eight days later, Jesus says, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He says literally, go everywhere and tell everyone. Go to all the cities. Number three was the methodology of the commission. And this is what we're most familiar with, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And this was on a mountain in Galilee. Not only were the disciples there, but this is where the 500 other believers also gathered. 500 other disciples. Paul speaks of them in 1 Corinthians 15. It's on a mountain in Galilee. You know, that's 60 plus miles from Jerusalem. They walked there because Jesus said, you go there and I'll meet you. And he did. And here's what he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what does this mean for us? It means we should go anywhere to any country or culture or community or any person. Why should we do that? Because all authority has been given to Jesus. That's why we can go. I have the authority. I created heaven and earth. I rose from the dead and I'm sending you and there's no place you cannot go. You go everywhere to everyone. That's what Jesus said. That's amazing. When you begin to realize this is his commission, not ours, that he's the soul winner, not us. We are simply ambassadors and we're simply laying out the message and letting God do the work. One sows, another waters. God gives the increase.
And then what we're to do as we meet these people is we're to make them disciples, not converts. Today there's a lot of conversions going on. And there always have been. Lots of people convert. But Jesus didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. Authentic, lifelong followers of Jesus. And you can tell right away if someone's a convert or if they're a disciple by their obedience. When we have all the excuses why we don't do the things that the Lord has asked us to do, the first one is to be baptized in water. Well, I don't really want to get baptized. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. It's a public proclamation of the inward work that God has done, buried with him in baptism, raised to newness of life. If you haven't been baptized yet, I know Jason's going to be baptizing people starting soon. January, and that's going to be regular, so get baptized if you haven't been. Be obedient. Follow Jesus. You say, well, you know, I'm not going to do that one, but I'll do some of these others. We don't get to pick and choose. We get to obey. And he says, teach them to obey. The fourth is the message of the commission. It's in Luke 24, verses 44 through 47. And and this is again in Jerusalem. And listen to this. This is different. We haven't heard this. Jesus says, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Now this we can match up with this conversion theme. A lot of people are getting converted. A lot of people are confessing their sins. Would you agree? But the Bible doesn't say confess your sins in that sense. It says repent of your sins. There's a big difference. It says confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. But we must repent. Jesus says there is forgiveness available to the repentant. Forgiveness follows repentance. What is repentance? It's a change of mind and it's a change of direction, which allows God to change our hearts. It's amazing. That's what God wants to do. And also in that passage, he talks about himself being the Messiah, and he tells us that the scriptures prove this out. The scriptures are the basis for understanding Christ's ministry and mission. And you know what's fascinating? The New Testament hadn't yet been written. So those of us that say, well, I kind of like to focus on the New Testament because, you know, I'm, I'm part of the New Testament church. Jesus says, it's the Old Testament that testifies of me. Study the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they're the ones that testify of me. He's talking about the Old Testament. So read the Old Testament as well as the New, because it's inspired by God. And as we study, God will turn the light on and bring to our attention the realities that are spiritual that only he can. And last is the means of the commission. How do we do it? The means. And this is given on the Mount of Olives. This is a half a mile from Jerusalem. I've walked down through the Kidron Valley, and I've walked up the hill, and I've stood there in the area where Jesus gave this this last aspect of the commission. And here's what he said. We're not going to talk today about when I'm going to establish the kingdom. We're not going to focus on those type of things. Here's what you need to know. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, first here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. It wasn't a progressive commission, it's simultaneous. At the same time we're reaching Salt Lake City, we are reaching the world if we're obeying Jesus. We're about it. Wherever we go, we're salt and we're light, and we're making a difference. What's fascinating to me when I look at this, there's a 40-day period, isn't there? 40 days, Jesus is teaching, 40 days. The first day, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The last day, he says, now go wait. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, it's two different events. And every one of us needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit at conversion. And every one of us needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? So we can operate in spiritual gifts? No. I mean, that may happen. 
The reason we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is so that the power of God will project us to turn the world right side up. That's how we're going to do it, in His power and in His strength. And so they went everywhere, Mark 16, 20 says, they went everywhere preaching the Word. They went everywhere. After they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they went everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the Word with the signs following. Jesus is working with us. We're not going alone. You feel alone sometimes, but He's going with you. He's going with me. He wants us just to go and share the message. You're going to share where people have already been sharing. You're going to come in the middle of, of somebody's cycle and maybe you'll add something or you're going to come near the end and, and they're going to say yes to Jesus or you're going to break the ground. So many of us did many, many years ago. Well, there's so many churches and healthy churches and great things happening in Utah right now and it's going to continue as we're obedient to be part of the Great Commission Church because the Great Commission Church follows the New Testament pattern. You see, these marching orders directed the primitive church, the early church, and the medieval church, and the reformed church, and today, courageous church. We follow. Now remember this, Salt Lake City is the least Christian city in America, statistically. And of course, that assumes that religiously deceived people who do not trust Jesus Christ alone for their eternal life are lost. So if you're wondering where God is going to send you, maybe you're excited today, say, wow, where are you going to send me, Lord? I would just say to you, He already did. He already did. You're here. And so get about the business of the kingdom. So how about you? Do you see the church today as the field? Or do you see it like Jesus said, the world is the field? Do you see the church as a force? Can you begin to see that? A force in the earth making a difference. Because our answer will dictate our activity. You see, the Father sent the Son that whoever believes in Him won't perish. Jesus the Son modeled the Great Commission. And He sent and He commissioned us. I could go on and on. There's so much to say. But these instructions will continue until the second coming of Christ. There will not be a break. The disciples said, tell us what the sign of the end will be. The sign of your coming. And, and Jesus says, this good news of the kingdom will be preached and all the world is a witness to the nations. Then the end will come. That's why Jesus hasn't come yet. It's that simple reason. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all could come to the knowledge of the truth. And he's waiting for you and me to simply obey him so he can confirm his word through us with signs following. So let me just close with this. What does a great commission church look like? I think there are three things. Three things that I believe God wants to embody in Courageous Church. A culture of discipleship, a culture of evangelism, and a culture that is sensitive to unreached people groups. This is so critical. How do we become a Great Commission church? Well, we pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest and then say, here am I, Lord, send me. We ask of him and he gives us the nations as our inheritance, Psalms 2.8. We pray and then we go. If he tells you to stay, I would say obey. But remember, he already told you and me to go. The 19th century missionary Hudson Taylor said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. And he spent his life in China. Amazing. Go after you pray and then speak. Don't be afraid to speak. He says, I'll tell you what to say. One person who was set free from demons said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go with you. Jesus says, no, go back to your family. Go back to your people. Go back to your community and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. It's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas. Tell people, tell people. You say, I've told them, they're tired of hearing it from me. Just, just, be, just be gentle, but tell them. Tell them that Jesus has given you new life. Don't tell them church, tell them Jesus. Speak, but speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And be ready always, because there will be people that will ask you about the hope that's in you. And be ready to tell them. Be ready to give the answer to those who ask you about your hope. 
and go to every people group. Here's what it looks like. Pray as you go, speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit, always being ready to share with every people group. Have you ever wondered why God saved you? Why He saved me? I believe He saved us to send us. He chose 12 that they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach. He saved you to be with Him and that He might send you. Thank you for listening today. To find out more information about our church, including ways you can give, please visit us at CourageousChurch.com.